Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go, straight out of Vegas on a Saturday into a Sunday. It is Cofield along with R.J. Bell. Two hours of jam-packed action and two wise guys, Steve Fezzik. NBA specialist, Brad Powers, college football specialist. And we're going to be doing our continuing preview, getting ready early, getting those good numbers early of the college football season. Man, though, sometimes we always start the show. Sometimes, though, we debate what's the Vegas lead? What's the Vegas lead? Well, we know what the Vegas lead is tonight. Showtime! Yeah, tonight it's the Rockets collapsing after a great start. 46-point swing, led by 17, lost by 29, 115-86, and we're going to a Game 7 in H-Town. Now listen, let's, let's start off with the cautionary tale part of this. Now, think about this and answer the question honestly. If right before the game started, Someone said, I'm going to give you the Golden State Warriors in the first quarter plus 16 and a half points. <laughs> How much money would you have bet? 
I asked this question on Twitter, and the most common answer was my house. So, Fezzik, <laughs> how much of your bankroll would you have bet if you were offered that legitimately? It wasn't like some, you know, some guy appears in the alleyway kind of thing. You know you're going to get paid. How much do you bet on Golden State plus 60 and a half in the first quarter? Literally 90% of my net worth. You, you would bet 90% of your net worth. Wowza. I didn't expect you to say that kind of that's, – that's a big number. That's a big – Number. So. Come on, baby. $80,000. <laughs> it would have been more than 80000 though. Oh, yes. <laughs> Brad. 50% of my net worth. Okay. Cofield. All of it. <laughs> I'd be homeless right now. So 700 bucks. Yes. Yes. That's all, that's all the equity I have in that. I mean, really, though. It'd be interesting. There is a concept called the Kelly Criterion, which says, all right, what's your chance of winning? What's your bankroll? How much should you bet? It'd be interesting to estimate what your chance of winning plus 16 and a half in the first quarter for the Warriors as a 13-point favorite in the game. I mean, is that, uh, is that 99 plus percent, Fez? It feels that way, but whenever I go to 99%, it's almost always too big. It's probably like 97.5. Okay. So why are we focusing on that? It's because if you can't be sure about that bet, how can you be sure about any bet? There are no sure things. Hashtag, there are no sure things. Remember that, guys. Now, if after the first quarter, I said, all right, Fez, Double or nothing, but you're, you got nothing left. Bradley's has half his money. So, Brad, double or nothing, I'm going to give you now Houston plus 28 and a half double. for the game. Double. The rest, <laughs> uh, everything that I have left would be on them. I mean, if you really think about we're talking about literally two 98% type, or actually flip it over, two kind of 2% or less type scenarios. I'm actually going to disagree with the second bet. Because, really? Here's why. Because Golden State was still favored. But you're broke already. I'm already broke. So I got, I, I got, I got, I got 2% so your left. opinion doesn't really mean much on this. Fair enough. But Golden State was still favored to win the game. Slight. Slight fair. One half so, point So let's favor. be clear. And Cofield did a wonderful job tweeting this out at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Is right at, at that end of the first quarter, the line on the game, not the end the the following three quarters, but rather the game, was Golden State favored by one and a half? Cofield thought it was a good bet, suggested it. But still now, if you're favored by one and a half, let's just call it you're supposed to win, you know, win by one or two, obviously, in that range. How many, you're many standard deviations away if you're going to be winning by twenty by twenty-nine. So think about that. Even if they're supposed to win the game, they got three quarters left to win the game. The idea you're going to have the time to get a 29 point lead and turn it around, you know, by 46 points. It's in the nine. It's in the high 90s. That's a good point because two standard deviations is like a 95 percent bet, and this sure feels like four standard deviations, right? Was my recommendation of one and a half going to the second quarter? Is that a square chair play or is that a sharp play? Because I'll actually say I think it's a square play because I had blind faith that the Rockets would fall apart and that the threes would stop falling. Well, if it's coming from you by definition, it's square. But 
I liked it when I was hanging out with my buddy watching the game, and he told me the number, and I said, boy, that seems short. And here's why, Fez, and tell me what you think of this. The game has changed so much, and anyone that watched a game tonight, it looked nothing like basketball even 10 years ago. It's a different sport. And we can debate, oh, how would the 95 Knicks have done against this team and all that? Fine, that's fine. We'll do that in uh, maybe July 4th weekend. <laughs> that and the hot dog contest we'll talk about. <laughs> but I think a lot of betting has changed with it. But in-game betting, and that's really what this is, hey, it's the end of the first quarter, it's in the game, it feels like the chance of teams coming back, whatever algorithm, and they are using an algorithm. There's no human making these assessments. Now, they might have a guy that's going to check off on it and maybe tweak it a half point or so, but in general, this is an algorithm spitting these out. It feels like the database is outdated. And and let me ask you, Fess, because you are the best in-game better, I would make a major bet in the world. I mean, really, the best in-game better in the world, Steve Fazek. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. Does it feel like if all you did was take every, let's say, 15 to 1 shot or more to come back, all law, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, all, and maybe that's not the right, maybe it's 10 to 1. Does it feel like those are... Uh, I guess, paying too much because the database the algorithms are using are going back far enough that the new game that allows a comeback like this so much easier. And in football, I think the offense is it's, it's kind of analogous. Do you feel like that the in-game betting doesn't properly account for the reality in 2018? I agree. The volatility is so great, especially, RJ, you bring up a great point talking about the Super Bowl, these championship games, these deep playoff games. These are not like regular season games where teams down 17, ah, maybe we'll coast, fight for another day. No, we need this game. It's an elimination game, and they're all in, just like the Patriots were. And because of that, the normal algorithm that mm. might work during the regular season doesn't price in enough all this volatility and this desperate actions by the team that's down. Now think about how sharp that is, guys. I did set him up big time, and he delivered. It might be the offenses and all that, but let's set that aside for a second. We've got a database of, okay, a team is down this many points when they're favored by this many after the first quarter. But in a majority, a vast majority of those games, you got to question the team that's down's willingness to claw back. Because if it's a February game in the NBA, back-to-back on the road, do they maybe just put in their backups and say, Okay, and not necessarily at the beginning of the second quarter, but maybe at halftime, maybe earlier than you would in an elimination game. So it sounds like what you're saying is anytime there's an elimination game or a borderline must win, the odds of the team that's down big coming back are better than historic odds because those historic odds have a lot of times the team that was down didn't fight as hard. Exactly, and especially at halftime. I think it's a chair-thrower situation. What do I mean by a chair-thrower? The coach is literally throwing things against the wall. The players are screaming at each other. There is no tomorrow. So what do you guys take from this game? Because we've got the line now on Game 7. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. What do you take from this game? Anything? I do want to say one thing. We're here in Vegas, pregame.com, and the boys in Burbank canceled that order I text Michael, our wonderful producer, 
to get the sound on my best bet last night at the end of the first quarter. For those listening, I gave out Houston to win the game outright. I tried to ignore it. I tried to ignore it. At seven to one. And after the first quarter, I texted. I said, make sure to have that sound ready to start the show with. You you don't have to worry about that now. (laughs) It was in the notes. It is. The guys can tell you it's in the notes. I was like, "Hard oh, to money, money line bet fell a little bit short." Well, if anything, though, all joking aside, I think you nailed it in the first quarter. It just didn't certainly. continue. Certainly, your, your case was high variance. You're going to shoot the hell out of the three ball. Hold on a sec. You're saying that a 13 point dog that's up by 17 at the end of the first. I had it right after the end of the first. I promise you. Made Agreed. The, you made a prediction for the whole game. <laughs> but but if anything, it showed the point of high variance, yeah. and that's why I didn't like the spread. Because you might have thought, well, if you like the money line, you like the spread. Not always. If you can envision a very specific way this game would have played out, the Houston would have won, but not a lot of ways that it's kind of a tight. Yeah, I mean, I certainly could see it come down to a tight game, but I would have been almost as happy to take, let's say, seven and a half points as 13, meaning if they got the double digits, you'd have to expect more times than not, not always, Golden State was going to extend and because at some point, Houston's going to say, "Well, there's a game seven here. We got we, we you know how much energy we're going to keep spending." So I didn't I didn't love the plus thirteen as much as you might think because I did think this was a high variance game in both directions. But boy, I was feeling pretty smart at the end of the first quarter. I can't lie. And you're spot on in terms of how Houston was going to react late in the game. They're down about ten end of the third quarter. Harden, back-to-back turnovers, and you could just see it. He was gassed physically, emotionally. He's jogging back in a critical Game 6. He felt the game was over at that point for their chance to win. So, Fez, here's the question. And you mentioned it, the fatigue. It felt like, in, in a weird way, maybe Houston getting that lead. I mean, when they're sitting on the bench in the first quarter break, Houston's thinking, guys, if we just can keep this up, we are going to the NBA Finals. And at halftime, they had to feel good. They were up 10 at the half. What was the halftime line in the game? Anyone remember? So, 10-point difference. And no, no, I, do you know what the halftime 12. line was? Golden State was laying 12. In the second half. So yes. once again, it was Golden State to just win the game. Because if you're down 10 and they're laying 12, and, and that minus 12 is just in the second half on a halftime bet. So even then, it's like a, you know, a coin flip. It felt like when they got down, it was like not only the physical side of it, but it was also the mental side of, boy, it felt like we were almost there, and then the, the rug got pulled out. Gut feeling, Fez, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Game 7 line. Does that hurt them for Monday night? Does the way this game went hurt the Rockets? I think it does hurt them, but mitigating that, being back at home, is certainly going to help greatly. (laughs) Wow, let's make sure we got this straight. Fezzik, expert in the NBA. It's better to play at home than on the road in the NBA. Do you want (laughs) to stick by that? I think it's vitally important this game seven worth more than normal, RJ. Ooh, so we're gonna find ooh, out if he actually I don't. if he actually has an answer for that, and we're gonna give you the game seven line when we come back. That's on the way straight into Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas. It's straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free. 
rate quote. So Rockets blowing off the floor after leading after one quarter by 17. So who knows where they are mentally. That's what we're here to examine. We're going to look at the line for Game 7. So where do we start? We want to go with home court because that's where we left off. And Fezzik was suggesting, thank God the Rockets are on the home court in Game 7. Fezzik, one of the most famous sports batters, if not the most famous in the world, he shocked me at the end of the last segment. He said, Houston's going to be better at home than the road. Now, I think that's obvious, but he told us there's a reason why that's the case even more, even more for the Rockets. Home field is home court is so important in Game 7. Why? Because the Rockets, with Chris Paul being injured, we don't know if he can play. Short rotation, seven man tonight, and they're going to get gassed. They're going to get tired. They, so they're going to get tired in Game 7. Yes. They got tired in Game 6. How tired did they get, RJ? They scored 39 points in the first quarter. They scored 25 points in the second half. Both quarters combined. That is a gas team that has completely stopped giving effort and has basically got no more effort left. With that crowd behind them, I think well, they'll hold, be able hold to on sustain a Let, Let's use our words carefully. Got no more effort left. That's not going to be the case in Game 7 at the beginning. I right. don't think it'll be. The, it won't be the case. So at when the you beginning. say "got no more effort left," what, what are you talking about? Their second half. I think they're going to be able to this, sustain this year, in Game Seven or in Game Seven. So you're saying in Game Six, but how much of that? So there's one game off between Saturday, obviously, and Monday, right? So the question is, there's travel, and it's a pretty long travel but again they're in private planes and we can debate that how much of tonight was fatigue and how much of tonight was emotion Kofi I think think? it's emotion I think it's mental fatigue and I saw the same thing tonight in a lot of ways that we saw last year with the Rockets and we discussed this before this series going back a couple of series right James Harden does he mentally break in certain situations and tonight when they played well in the first half, James Harden scored, but he also dished the ball, and he played team basketball. He came out in the second half, and as soon as things started going in the wrong direction, he wants to play hero ball. So I couldn't tell if there was effort from Gordon and Ariza and some of the other guys who were playing well offensively in the first half because they couldn't get the ball. You, you mentioned it. Harden came out right away. A couple of turnovers. And that just kills the offense, the hero ball. To me, James Harden mentally is what this series is all about. When he plays team basketball, they have a chance. When he starts playing hero ball, the guy had nine turnovers at the beginning. By the beginning of the fourth quarter, that's for a guy of that level. That's horrendous. So let's think about because I think Fezzik's got a point. I think the words aren't right, but I think Fezzik has a point that without CP3 and from everything I understand, the odds of him playing are small. And even if he plays, who knows how effective he's going to be. So let's assume that he's not going to play, and we can double back and discuss, hey, maybe, you know, what are the chances? All right. So if he's not going to play, one, this is the Rockets went to a thinner rotation or a uh, less player rotation. And then when you take out their second best or first best player, however you want to look at it, would you say tonight, and this is an objective answer, so let me ask you, Fezzik, 
Did they just plug another person in and kept the same depth of rotation, or did they even thin it down even more? They thinned it down big time. So they played, normally their number three guard, Gordon, started. He played great. Like Steve mentioned, he didn't see the ball in the second half. And then their backup guard, Green, didn't see all that many minutes, and they didn't go beyond him. And I think that it really hurt um, Gordon because he got tired, too, in the second half, and he looked mentally tired not getting the ball from, from Harden. No, I was watching the game, but I was actually playing some dog races, too, at the <laughs> sunset. I can't lie. I'll tell a little story about that in a little bit. <laughs> it's not a good story, though. The either. dogs. It's not a good story, either. Oh, no. Is Do you think, and, and I don't think Houston did it because I kept glancing up, why not just take all the starters out? I mean, at a certain point, they were down, you know, at what point did they get down a dozen? Not until fourth quarter started. All right, so you're down a dozen. Is it a? Do you maybe say what's the odds of winning right here? And do you maybe just put you know take literally all your starters out, and maybe your sixth and seventh main out too? Remember, the Spurs did this with Popovich. I mean, this has been what four years ago, where they were down about twenty two in a game, and he just put literally five guys in that hadn't even played yet, and they cut it down like to six or eight. And then at the, they lost. And at the end, in the press conference, they asked Popovich, why'd you do that? He goes, well, my guys were playing so horribly. How couldn't I think that these other guys could do better? These are professional basketball players. Boy, it seems like that might have been the move. Why not just empty the bench? Understanding, hey, they hit a couple threes and it gets back to six. You put them back in. You know, you put some starters back in. But it felt like it was the worst of both worlds. Warriors won the game. Houston starters played a lot of minutes. And beyond the physical toll, there was an emotional toll because Houston had a big lead. And it was snatched away from them. It felt like it, this game couldn't have gone worse for Houston's prospects in Game 7. Yeah, it's a great point. It is very bad that they had that 17-point lead. In many ways, it would would have been better, like you said, if they would have just gotten rolled in the first half. Maybe we worry more about their confidence. But I'm saying come, I'm not saying that would have been better, but what I'm saying is come the fourth quarter, why are the starters in with six minutes left? If they're, I mean, because he felt it going the wrong way. There were two 10 nothing runs in the third quarter. And all of a sudden, a 10-point lead turns into a seven-point deficit going to fourth. I just, I don't think D'Antoni knew how to turn it around and, I, the one thing, like I said, I don't want to kill James Harden over and over and over again, but he needed some time off the floor so that they could start swinging the ball around a little bit and playing team basketball because it was a slop fest out there. So you got a team that's thin without CP3 going into Game 7. you got a team that play a lot of minutes with that thin rotation in Game 6, one-day turnaround with travel, and you've got probably as bright and as clear as ever You've got Houston's problem, which is how good are they in the playoffs? When the chips are down, how good are they in the playoffs? And to me, it was the only reason the Rockets were a plus, what, 180 dog you could have gotten entering these playoffs. I got 195, and I think it was a little higher than that. So, really? Yeah, kept it, was, up it was a little over Before 200. game one. Yeah, I got 195 before game one. Feeling good about that? Well, Not so much. Yeah, yeah. You probably felt pretty good before today. I felt before good when, CP3 got hurt. I felt real good when CP3 was playing. Now you got a market number. That's what the game seven's going to be. So let's <laughs> okay. So let's think about this, <laughs> and let's give 
the breaking news on Game 7's line. So right now, Golden State favored at Houston. Warriors favored by five and a half points in this game. That's a number, but it makes a little bit of sense. So Gold, Houston was what? About a one-point favorite in these home games. Does that sound right? Pretty much pick them. Pick them, let's call it. Now, CP3 worth four points. Pick them goes to four. And then you add in the fatigue, the extra fatigue. You add in the emotional toll of game six. You add in the thinness of this team, where it's not just the CP3s out, but it makes this very thin tire team have to play a high-pressure game seven extra thin. Does that is that worth a point, point and a half? Maybe. But boy, as much as my first instinct, Fez, is value, value on Houston, unless you felt like there was value on Houston at Pickham when they were home in a normal situation, I think this five and a half point adjustment makes sense. Now, you might tell me, well, I think Houston should have been laying two and a half at home, so I still think there's two and a half points of value. But do you agree? Pickham plus then four more points for CP3, a point or so. For it's a game seven. The Houston's never been able to step up like the, you know, multiple time defending champion Warriors, and the extra fatigue a half a point. Boy, line seems about right. I agree with both of those adjustments, RJ. I do have a third adjustment, however. Go. A team that gets blown out and loses by thirty. We talk about the zigzag. That's always a good spot for the team that got crushed. Contrarian wise, they're the team that. Typically, you want to back off of that horrible loss. Maybe that's not as important in a Game 7 as, say, a Game 4, however. Okay, we're going to go to our update in a moment. Brad Powers, though, college specialist, doing a little research as we're broadcasting. 130 Game 7s in the NBA's history. Home team has won 80% of the game straight up. Home team Rockets are 5.5 point underdogs, underdogs in Game 7. And after the update, we're going to get Fezzik's leaner-like on this game. But first, Steve DeSager with the latest. Well, the Golden State Warriors are the league's best third-quarter team and showed it tonight, and then some. Warriors with an 11-0 run to start the second half and take the lead and beat Houston in Game 6 of the NBA's West Final, 115-86. to Chris Paul was out with a strained hamstring for the Rockets. Eric Gordon started, had 19 points, only three in the second half. Houston from three-point range in the first quarter, eight for 12. The rest of the night, just seven for 27 from long distance. Meanwhile, Golden State, after that first quarter, 15 for 31 on three-pointers. Andre Iguodala was still out with a leg injury for Golden State, a bone bruise. Klay Thompson showed up for 35 points. He had nine three-pointers. Steph Curry, 29 points. And Houston in the loss had 21 turnovers, nine of them by James Harden. So the Warriors outscore them big in the second half. In fact, by 39, that's an NBA playoff record. And the fact that Golden State was down 17 after the first quarter and yet won the playoff game by more than 17, that had never happened before in NBA history. 115-86 the final. So there's a Game 7 in the West Monday night at Houston. Also the opener of the Stanley Cup final in Vegas Monday. Sunday night 
East final game seven in the NBA with Cleveland at Boston. Kevin Love of the Cavs out with a concussion. The Celtics are 10-0 at home this postseason. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Real Madrid took the Champions League final. Justin Rose is the golf leader at Fort Worth by four strokes. Brad Keselowski won NASCAR's Xfinity race at Charlotte and Sunday's Coca-Cola 600 is on Fox TV, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. In the late ball game, it's bottom of the 11th inning at Seattle. Mariners 3-3 with the Twins. The Padres did win in L.A. 7-5 over the Dodgers. San Francisco and Cleveland with victories. And Mike Trout went 5-5 in an Angel win at the Yankees, 11-4. The Red Scooter Jeanette went 5-5 in Cincinnati's 6-5 victory at Colorado. Back to you. Match, Steve. Straight out of Vegas. Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. I'm excited to hear where you guys are going to go with this game seven. Rockets at home, getting five and a half. Getting five and a half. That's unheard of. Especially with the number you just read, that uh, game seven's home team, history would suggest they got a great chance to win, right? 80% success rate. Obviously. But if it were that easy, you know, Warren Buffett has a saying. (laughs) is if it was always about history, librarians would be billionaires. And we know that's not true. All right, Fez, it's time. Lean or like, and we do this during football, which is force pick on the game. But if it's a lean, you're probably not going to bet it. If it's a like, it means you're taking off the rubber band. Lean Houston. However, RJ, love Houston first half. Because of all these concerns you've aptly brought up, I got a team without with a short rotation. I got a team I don't trust mentally or physically late in the game. Let's bet them in the first half here. And the Golden State Warriors have been a team that's been more suspect in the first quarter in the first half throughout the year. Mm, so we're avoiding that third quarter, that Golden State's the best third quarter team in the league. We're avoiding the fourth quarter, where if it's a tight game, you got to figure Golden State has a big edge because of their experience at this highest level. And, correct me if I'm wrong, we've talked about for years, but right here, this whole NBA, the zigzag. So the zigzag is when one team wins, the other team needs to win the next game. And because of that extra energy or the other team being a little bit lax, there's a big advantage for that team and it zags the other way. It, goes, it doesn't keep going in the same direction. It zigs and it zags. Now, obviously, Golden State's going to be up for this game. But doesn't the positive, so the negatives of the team that might be lackadaisical in the zigzag are not applicable, not applicable here. But couldn't we make the point that the positives for the zigzag team, specifically the home team and how energized that crowd's going to be in the first quarter of the game and, and maybe even the first half? So... Do we maybe look at a first quarter bet too? Because it's it, we're still avoiding the third and fourth quarter, but it feels like that crowd, that game seven crowd advantage, will be even more prevalent in the first quarter. I think it's a great idea. Maybe split your bet half of it first quarter, half of it first half. Now, guys, this is the ways pros bet. Now, if you're looking recreationally, pizza money, you know you're leaning Houston. You want to get a little more sophisticated. I do like half a unit. Houston first quarter, half a unit, Houston first half. I'll give you another square chair angle. What do we do with the officiating in this game seven? 
So it felt to me watching the game in between my dog racing bets and not good is <laughs> <laughs> is it felt like Golden State was getting all the calls. I mean, we could try to say it another way. And here's the the theory: the NBA. How much? How many millions does the NBA make? Because there's a game seven here. I hate this, by the way. I hate talking about it. So you brought it up. I know, but I just the conspiratorial <laughs> thing. But as I watched the game tonight, it was real physical at the rim. Houston did try to attack, and no calls. James Harden got two offensive fouls, and he pushes off a lot. But that's that's one of those. That's that key decision the the officials have to make. If you let James Harden do the push off, you know, ten times, and you call once, you know, that is a decision these guys are making. And let's be clear. And who knows, right? Who knows how corrupt things are? Because obviously, some people, especially in today's society, but this has been the case ever since Watergate. Ever since, you know, the '60s counterculture is don't trust the man. And you watch a, a great movie, Three Days of the Condor, with Radford. Is the whole premise is the idea that there's so much going on in this case, the government that we have no idea about. And obviously, today is a lot of political discussion about the deep state. Does it exist, etc.? But I think what we know under David Stern is uh, Stern started as commissioner at a time when it wasn't that long since the NBA finals were on tape delay. I know that's always the cliche pre magic and bird to say on tape delay in 78 or whatever in 79, even the, and there's truth to that, but it felt, you know, you always hear all Patrick Ewing in the frozen envelope mm-hmm. for the Knicks, but really would it have been shocking before magic and bird? No one knew how good magic and bird were going to be. I mean, obviously they were good college players, they could have been bust. I mean, is it shocking to think the NBA might have, you know, went under at some point in 1982 or three if Magic or Bird had both been a flop? So the idea that the league, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, I'm not talking about anyone, uh, any specific thing, but if they would say, hey, you know, let's really try to maximize the chance of a game seven however we can in 1981, I wouldn't be shocked. Now that there's billions upon billions of dollars, the risks versus rewards are so different, so against that kind of stuff. If it's truly criminal, truly like, oh, what a catat or what a uh, controversy it would be if it were found out. But let me pose a, a possibility. Certain teams play better if a referee has a quick whistle. Certain teams play better if a referee doesn't have a quick whistle certain teams or certain referees are oblivious to a loud home crowd certain referees (laughs) let that crowd influence their calls and there's data on this right is why doesn't the nba let's let, let me ask a question maybe there's a good answer for this and i'm open to it and if you have it out there if someone's savvy enough to have this answer tweet at me and i'll read it his twitter handle is at rj in vegas why doesn't the NBA announce the referees sooner than they do in these playoff games? Now, I get that. I mean, there, I'm sure there's some pat answer about scheduling or whatever. 
And I get you couldn't necessarily, you'd want your best rafts. You don't know how far a series is going to go. But at least to the point where, let's say, if it's 1-1, you know it's going to go at least five, right? Couldn't you have two, three, four, and five picked at that point? Who's going to ref those games? Wouldn't that be actually counterproductive? How? Why do you think it's productive? Because I think what they're doing, and let me give you an example. Imagine you've got a home pool table. And imagine there's two different weights of cue balls. One is really, really good uh, to draw, and the other one isn't. You're playing someone that doesn't draw very well. What do you do? You get the cue ball on the table. You're the superior drawer in this case. That's when you hit it low and you can pull it back and pull. I played a lot of pool as a kid. You put that cue ball in the game. Oh, the next day, Freddie comes and Freddie draws better than you. Oh, I put the tough draw on cue ball. Think about golf. You're going to use a certain golf ball on a certain course, right? So I think the league potentially, allegedly, potentially, are holding back the ref saying, what do we need here? All right? And what ref is going to max the, not the ref doing anything wrong, but the ref calling his natural game, being influenced by the crowd or not, being calling touch fouls or not. They're holding him back like a, a with aces up a sleeve, ready to deal him out when they need him. Really? What do you think, yeah, Fez? See, I think I think they hold off because of the worry that someone could get to him. And this is the league that's already had that happen, and this is the league led when well, first David of all, Stern, no one, no when one David, got no when, one no one got to Tim Donahay in between games. <laughs> Tim Donahay got to himself and it was what it was. But the idea that like, oh, we know so like you won't even know until what game five even means necessarily until you get past game four. Right? So it seems like they're holding it back because they want to be able to influence the game through their selection of referees. Fezzik. Well, I agree with you, RJ. I love this, not this conspiracy theory, but rather the, hey, what benefits the league the most? Your cue ball example is fantastic. Same thing like a bowling tournament. Let's have really light pins. we got this dynamic bowler that hits low in the pocket, and those light pins help him. Let's put these referees, maybe that, all year long, they've called that foul where Arden pushes off because we want Golden State in the finals. And then if they looked at the tapes, they're like, what are you talking about? He's called it this way all year long. So I think we can wrap up this topic by saying the following. Maybe this happens. Maybe it does. And I would bet it does. But I don't think it helps Houston in this case. Because who does the league want in the finals? So if there is going to be any shenanigans... And let's be candid for a second. What is the marginal financial difference between a Game 6 ending the series in the West or a Game 7? It's one additional game. So that's worth millions, but that's the marginal difference. If you have the team you want to win Game 6, win, in this case, Golden State. But what's the marginal difference across an entire finals, an entire series, between a Houston team and a Golden State team? I would make the case that the difference is significantly bigger having Golden State over Houston in the finals than it would be playing a Game 7 or not playing a Game 7. Does anyone disagree with that? No. So if we do believe that that's what the league is willing to do, then you would think there's going to be referees in Game 7 in Houston that are very good at ignoring the crowd. And if so, that would somewhat dampen, in theory, the home court advantage. 
When we come back, we're switching to the NHL, the Stanley Cup, and we're going to tell you about potentially the biggest loss in Las Vegas history for the sports books. It's on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Back around straight out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Summarize where you guys are on Rockets getting five and a half, game seven Monday against Golden State. Yeah, and we're going to talk the NHL, Stanley Cup, and the huge exposure the sports folks have in a quick minute. But it, I was thinking about it during the break, guys. Eileen Houston, plus five and a half. But I love that first quarter or first half so much better. And here's why. There's three main problems with Houston plus five and a half. Number one is how good Golden State is in the third quarter. All right? Eliminated. First quarter, first half, we don't have to worry about it. Number two, Houston and how much they're going to wilt under the brightest lights late in a deciding game versus the multiple-time champions Golden State. Huge disadvantage for Houston. We avoid it. And lastly, we think because of the thinness of the lineup without CP3, how many minutes the players played for the Rockets in Game 6, we worry about fatigue. And fatigue's not going to matter in the first quarter or first half. So to me, I often like a a game and, and like a first quarter or first half slightly more. In this case... It's so much superior, it seems to me. If you do like Houston and you agree with our handicap, I would look about half the bat first quarter, about half the bat first half. So let's tell the story of the Golden Knights. Bunch of long-shot futures tickets for the Stanley Cup as the Golden Knights here in Las Vegas in the NHL get ready to take on the Washington Capitals. This will be, if the Knights win, the biggest loss in terms of hockey for the Bucks. No, 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 no. Let's get... Let's get more specific than that. For all sports. I think when it comes to a future bet. Okay. So let's think. 500 to 1, Las Vegas or the Vegas Golden Knights were coming in the season. This century, if you go pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and baseball professional, and hockey professional, from 2000 on, there hasn't been one champion 100 to 1 or worse than 100 to 1. More than a long shot of 100 to 1. Now, in 99, the Rams were about 300 to 1. But still, 500 to 1 is going to be at least 5x. So you're thinking, okay, so big payoffs for anyone to bet the Golden Knights. But it's Vegas. And every cab driver, every poker dealer, every stripper, I'm excuse me, exotic dancer, <laughs> they all, or almost all, have a ticket. And if you're getting 500 to 1, 10 bucks wins you... 5,000. So this is a situation unequivocally when it comes to future betting, betting on who's going to win a title, is this will be, if the Golden Knights win the title, the biggest loss in the history of Las Vegas on a title-winning team. Estimates between 7 and 10 million. Just for Nevada, mm-hmm. 7 or 10 million. Yep. And it's very rare. Remember, in the NCAA tournament, there were only two teams that would have lost for the books in the futures. So just losing at all is rare. And this would be a historic loss. When we come back, top of the hour, second hour, we're going to be talking and breaking down the Celtics, 
And we've got a best bet on that game. Power two on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Another 60 minutes on the way here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Cofield along with RJ Bell. Second hour, two wise guys. Steve Fezzik, NFL and NBA. Brad Powers, college specialist and the wise guy chair number two. And bottom of the hour, we're going to be giving his best bet in week one. The lines are out. College football and talk in Michigan, Notre Dame that week and Alabama's opener all at the bottom of the hour. We broke down in game seven. In the first hour, we got another game seven. That, of course, is uh, GSW in Houston on Monday. But Sunday, 835 Eastern start. The Celtics, unbeatable at home. Will that continue? Laying two and a half against the LeBrons. Okay. Last night we were on 11 o'clock to midnight on Fridays, Pacific time, right here on Fox National Radio, 330 stations, coast to coast, sea to shiny sea, and Sirius 83. I was surprised at the opener, Fez. It came out in the two, two and a half range, Boston favored. And to me, I felt like like what we saw in the Golden State Game 7, it would be a point and a half or two points to in the direction of the team the public thinks, how do they lose? How does Golden State lose? How does LeBron lose? So, line's been about pick them, right? When Boston's been at home? Is that fair? Until Game 5. They're laying one and a half Game 5. All right, so one and a half in Game 5. So now... Let's call one and a half the new baseline. So some adjustment for LeBron can't lose. I expected Pickham. Now, the one factor, Kevin Love. So how much of this line, Boston favored by two and a half, is about Kevin Love's absence from the Cavs? And how much of it is explainable in another way? Because... Boy, if one and a half is the baseline in game seven, the idea it's below the baseline doesn't make sense that the public would want to necessarily bet Boston over LeBron. Yeah, the perception is Kevin Love's worth about one point. I agree with that. Good player, but not that good on defense. And I think the fact that Boston's been so dominant in the playoffs at home, that's certainly being factored into the spread. What do you think, Kevin Love? I think on a good team, he's probably worthless. In a given game, I mm-hmm. think that you know the lack of depth would hurt. I mean, how good? And let's not spend a lot of time on it. It's just instant answer, Cofield. Is Kevin Love the fifth best player in Golden State? If Iguodala is healthy, correct. And we've talked about him before. But is being he? just inside the top uh, fifty but overall? It, but what I'm saying is, would you rather would you rather have Iguodala or Kevin Love healthy? Both of them. Probably Iguodala because he fits better. So that means he wouldn't even be one of the top five players. Probably not on that team. So and the way the mix works. But I think when you think LeBron, <laughs> Kevin Love, and then off a cliff. Right. That's the thing. Then it's like LeBron and off a cliff. I think he's worth a point. I think he's a point better than Larry Nance. Yes. All right. So here's the question then, Fez. Why is this line two and a half? If it should be one and a half. And then Kevin Love, with assuming that's the baseline now for Boston at home against Cleveland, and Kevin Love's out, so give Boston a point two and a half. Where's the where is the adjustment for 
the public being hard to fathom, hard to imagine LeBron losing a Game 7 against Jason Tatum. I think the public saw just how tired that LeBron was at the end of Game 6. They did? He had two threes, Fez, in the final like 90 seconds. He, he closed shots. the door and got the cover and rushed to 46 in the final three minutes. He was Superman. I've never seen anything like it. I was totally impressed. Can he do it again in Game 7 on the road is the question. I mean, it's so obvious you don't even believe what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, your voice is catching. Your eyes are twitching. I mean, thank God we don't have a camera in. Just back up. Here, we're going to give you a fresh chance. We're I'm gonna having wait. Fred Van Vliet flashbacks right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on. What you're saying is LeBron was better than any player you've ever seen in NBA history, and that's why they don't aren't going to bet Cleveland. <laughs> I'm going to recant. They're going to bet Cleveland, and that two and a half is probably more likely to drop than to go up, RJ. Okay, but that's not the question. The question is, why is it two and a half now? Because Boston's 10-0 and 0 straight up and against the spread at home. And but they were 9-0 and 0 in game five, and it was only one and a half. Yeah, but it was Pickham, and they bet Boston up to minus one. Okay, but it only got to one and a half, so... The idea, it, it, what we're saying is that tenth win doesn't make Boston that much better at home. It just continues the theory. This is a very good home team, right? But now we've got an added factor, two added factors. One is negative for Cleveland, which is the absence of love. So one and a half goes to two and a half. But there's a second factor, which is very positive for Cleveland. LeBron would have to lose a game seven to this Celtics team. In order for LeBron not to cash this bet, for the Cavs not to cash the bet, that has to be worth something. And, you, and it's not in the line. And you make a compelling case, and because of that, I'm going to agree with you that I think that the public and many others are going to bet on Cleveland and that this line is going to wind up back at one and a half where you forecasted it. Yeah, I don't understand why it stayed. I mean, we said the same thing last night. I mean, there must be heavy profession. I mean, there must be. Uh, money coming in on Boston in a way that's scared. Maybe it's not the biggest money, but it's the sharp money. But I, I mean, how much sharp money would come in at two and a half? I mean, you said a, last night that the sharps are going to wait. I thought that, like, it, 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 I can't. If you think about this, imagine a one point line move in either direction. If this line went from two and a half to one and a half, so in, a move that was. In favor of Cleveland. Would anyone be shocked? Would anyone go, oh my God, I can't believe that. But imagine if this game goes from two and a half to three and a half. Can you even fathom that? Three and a half, Boston Lane three and a half against LeBron in game seven. No, the entire world's going to bet Cleveland at that point. So to me, it's like, if it, it seems very asymmetric, as they say in the financial world, where I can't see it going up and I can very clearly see it going down. So in a weird way, if as a if I were going to bet Boston, and I'm not, pro, I mean, I'm probably not going to. But if a syndicate was going to bet Boston, I don't think they would bet it at two and a half. I think they'd wait, figuring there's a better chance they're going to get a better number. And it, there's just something funny about this. It makes me, and I'll tell you this: one thing I know for sure is there's no one. I've been in Vegas over 20 years. There's no one that knows everything in town, meaning that Fezzik's one of the most connected guys in Las Vegas. But 
if you know 30% of what's happening on a given day, that's a high number. Would you agree with that? Agree. Maybe 40% WNBA, though. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But so to me, it just feels funny. It feels like someone knows something. And when I mean not, not, not fixed or anything, but someone, not at all, but someone knows something as in, hey, this very known syndicate is waiting to crush Boston with like one of the bigger bets of the year. And they've caught wind of it, and they're just not going to move it down and let them fire at the better number. They're going to let the pop, you know. So I don't know, but this just—I would say of all the NBA playoff games, this was one of the two or three with the most unexplainable line to me. Would you agree, Fez? I agree. And usually in Vegas, when something is hard to believe, when it doesn't make a ton of sense, it's probably a sign there's something you don't know. Interesting. I'm shocked. I am with the number. I still think it's going to drop because I think that the Memorial Day crowd, we have like 320,000 people in town. I think they're going to wake up tomorrow and they got enough time to bet the game. So I think it's going to come down. And by the way, I do not want to completely discount what Fezzik said about fatigue. I think it could be a factor. I just thought the way you put it was a little bit odd. Are we not going to handicap that in at all? That we're expecting another 35, 40 point game like he does in every elimination game off a game where he just played 46 minutes? I got to be honest with you. I feel like that game sevens, and especially because they won't, what is it, next Thursday would be the first game. They already have it, right, Sat Is it feels like LeBron, I don't want to, I don't want to say something like when like a kid's trapped underneath a car, you know, and how the parent can lift the car up. Yep. But I do think there's a, a sense of, and he's hearing all this talk. I, I think. I also think Game Five, when the images were shown of him looking all exhausted and working the orange and everything, that he was playing to the crowd, which we talked about on the Dream Preview. Mm-hmm. Which guys, obviously, straight out of Vegas, Friday night, Saturday night, we do our midweek two-hour deep dive. Typically, the Dream Preview. Just go to your podcast player, whichever one you like. Search for RJ Bell. Subscribe. You get it free. There's all kind of good stuff, including that weekly dream preview. We were talking, was he baiting him a little bit? But listen, LeBron is is hyper brand conscious. Not in a bad way, right? I mean, obviously, he's trying to be a billionaire and give him credit. Tons of credit on money, many fronts, no doubt. But if he can win, I here's the question. If he has a monster game seven, if he has like 48, you know, 18 and 11, could this be the the most love he that yes. On, yes. on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into Thursday yes. would be the most love he ever got in his career. You're already seeing it. People are like, he's going to take this group to the finals. And, That's an error. And it's one thing to take him to the finals. It's another thing to Kevin loves out. This will be like the right. Magic Johnson story. To this day, Kareem was out against the Sixers. You know, Magic played center. You know, it's like. It was a good game, and it was pretty amazing that a point guard could play center back, you know, back then, especially. But we're still, t- if you would tell Magic Johnson stories, it's one of the five stories, right, on the court. So this would be one of LeBron's five stories. I think he leaves it all on the court, which segues to, and, and I'll tell you, I think he's breaking through with the whole Michael Jordan debate. I disagree with it, but someone like Don Van Nauta writes for ESPN, three-time 
Pulitzer winner for the New York Times, not for sports, but for like war reporting and stuff. This is, in my opinion, you know, the best journalist in sports in America. And last night he said, I never thought he tweeted out. I never thought someone could be better than Michael Jordan. I think LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Now, doesn't mean he's right. I don't even agree with it. But boy, it feels like the stakes are so high for LeBron here. I don't think effort's going to be the problem. I don't think fatigue is going to be the problem. And, you know, he is, he's not a Superman, but he's on, you know, he's one of 20 or 30 people in the world that are the next level physically. Man, I, I think if you're betting on LeBron being tired, probably not a good bet. And speaking of bets, when we come back, we're going to get my pick on the game. And Fezzik, you've got a best bet on it. So I do. We'll be back in a minute. That's on the way straight into Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're breaking down Game 7. It's coming up on Sunday, the Game 7 in the East. Cavaliers getting two and a half in Boston. So we got two big factors here. LeBron in elimination games against the Celtics, who are unbeatable in the playoffs at home. <laughs> I don't know if unbeatable. They haven't been beaten. What's the number? And ten, ten and zero, and against the spread, right? Both unbeatable. Unbeatable, be, unbeatable means you can't <laughs> conceive of them being beat. I've already. I I would bet the Celtics minus five. I'm kidding. Now I listen, would never do that. Let's let's give. I mean, because this is so rare, we have to keep giving square chair. Steve Cofield credit right here. So rare. Right here on Straight Out of Vegas. Cross the country heard it. Straight Out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. The square chair said, bet the Boston Celtics to win the East before the playoffs started at 26 to one. I guarantee it. They're going to roll through the East. That's what I said. No, no, it's not no, what not you really. said. It's a pretty amazing. <laughs> so I said it was there was great value there with Boston as the fourth or fifth choice in the East at twenty six to one. I mean, pretty amazing. That's about as good as it gets. It's about as good. By the way, as I love it the gets. rare part. Uh, I gave out. It's it's a seventeen point game tonight. Golden State is down big against the the Rockets. I made your friend what three large. Right, he he won a boatload tonight. Maybe three McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> when I said uh, bet, bet CSW minus one and a half for the game, Faz, here's my problem with this Boston at home. So we've got ten playoff games to consider at home for the Celtics. We had forty-one home games during the regular season, forty-one road games, and we had all the playoff road games. Entering the playoffs, Boston. If you would have said, do you bet if you were going to blindly bet them either at home against the spread or on the road against the spread, you would have unequivocally bet them on the road because, and tell me if you agree, Boston amongst all of the 16 NBA playoff teams had the best against the spread record on the road during the regular season. Against the spread, the Vegas spread by definition is expectation. They exceeded expectations more on the road than any team that made the playoffs. 
So it would only make sense to think road for them, right? Absolutely, going into the playoffs. Now in the playoffs, they play poorly, I think relatively on the road in 10 or so games, right? But they played great at home. Now, I think there's some differences in the playoffs. One, you got a very young team to be this far in Boston, this far into the playoffs, and thus the comforts of home, not having to deal with the road, I think is even more important because it is the playoffs. The crowds are going to be more rabid in the playoffs, thus whatever effect a young team negative might feel on the road is going to be accentuated. So I get that, but you don't go from being the best road team to a horrible road team, and you don't go from being a good home team to an unbeatable or amazing home team. I think whenever, and guys, this is a great tip for you, whenever there's big numbers in one group and small numbers in the other, and the small numbers are more recent, Air towards believing the bigger numbers. I believe the four. If I bl- if we blend all those eighty two regular season games in with the playoff games, Boston is not a great home team, and they're not a bad road team. And there's nothing that's going to convince me otherwise. Thus, I'm skeptical of believing in them at home so much. Thoughts? I think it's a good concept. Certainly the. Playoff games should count more, but there's been less of them. So what's more significant? Playing 10 home playoff games? How much more are you going to count them? Because there's four times as many in the regular season at home. Well, yeah, but the Cavs, RJ, by the same token, were so much worse during the regular season than the playoffs. You can pretty much discount the regular season, right? If if you could discount the regular season, then why wouldn't they? LeBron's the best player in the league, so... well, I mean, I guess some people would debate that. I don't even know what you mean when you say discount the regular season. I, I think that the regular season means something. I think for a team like Boston, it means a lot. I think for a handful of teams and maybe only Golden State and Cleveland, you can expect them to have another gear or maybe two other gears. But how? what does that have to do with Boston? Well, you were saying how the regular season for Boston yeah. was more significant. And I agree with that than the playoffs. But there, are, the, if you look at Golden, the Golden States and you look at the Clevelands, I could say but that— not Boston. And I'm talking about Boston. You're right. You're right. Boston, I think you got to give the regular season more of a weighting than the playoffs. Maybe, what do you think, 60-40? I don't even know. I think much more than that, actually. I think, you it's, know, a, I think it's 80-20. At home during the regular season, there were 22-17-2 ATS. Which is good. And, and, and now they've rocketed up to the yeah. second best overall in the NBA, just behind the Sixers. And again, I get it's playoffs are different because of the crowd, and Boston has a great crowd. But this idea, they're un- and again, I know you were being sarcastic with the unbeatable, but yeah. this idea that this home court is so much better uh, and, and it's some great decider, I am skeptical of that. Ten games doesn't convince me of that. Okay. So where are you going with this? This is where and when I'm, are you going to bet it? That's the important part here. Well, I'm going to answer that when I tell you I'm not betting the game. Okay. <laughs> so never. Oops. Never. Second, second question sucked. And, and, <laughs> and here's why. And this is another great tip, guys. Put it in your pocket. This is one of those teach a man to fish he eats forever. Now, I love fish sandwiches, but you know they're gone in about 10 minutes. If you have a handicap... If you predict a game and just by happenstance 
it either agrees 100% with why the public will bet that game the same way, or it's for a different reason, but you're on the same side as the public, be very careful. And if anything, just pass them all. Write them down in a notepad or your phone, and let's talk May 20, whatever it is, next year, and see how you did on those games. Because if you're betting with the public, now you might say, RJ, why? Well, you just think the public loses all the time? No, it's not about that. It's when the public is betting something, it gets expensive, right? Imagine you're buying a house and you're thinking about two areas and they're e- objectively, they're equal. Whatever it is you care about with houses, school systems, whatever, equal. But one area just had a huge write-up in the local paper and the local news did a story too talking about how great it is, the river view, the this, the that, the other. And all of a sudden now, everyone's going there and the prices go up 20%. Now, the other place, no one's writing about it, but it's intrinsically the same. So if I were, let's extend the analogy. If I were set on buying in the place that got a ton of attention, if I couldn't have bought before it got the attention, I'm not buying because it's gone up 20%. I actually think the dominant handicap in this Cleveland-Boston game is LeBron. I and, and, and I'll take some credit for this. A couple weeks ago when everyone was down, I mean, what were the Cavs at their low point to win the East? They were what, plus 450 at one point? Yes, you could get a plus 450 at the very lowest point. Yeah. At that point, I said, guys, since LeBron became a champion, since he got made, to use the parlance of the Italians, is... <laughs> And he could wake up in the middle of the night, look in the mirror and say, I am a champion. LeBron's been beat by three teams. Golden State twice. Both great teams in a series. And San Antonio, who that year, that San Antonio team was a great team. People don't think of them as a great team. They were a great team. Otherwise, that's it. LeBron's won the title or got beat by a great team. Boston isn't a great team. And what I said weeks ago was, when LeBron goes into Hulk Hogan mode, and starts waving that finger. And remember what happened. The other, the opponent would hit Hogan and it wouldn't affect him. He'd hawk up, drop the leg. It's over. All right. I don't see anyone on Boston that's going to be able to put him down the way or, or put LeBron down the way a great team could. Now, why not bat Cleveland? Because that's what the public's batting. And to me, is I don't want to be betting on the side of the public because that means I'm betting an expensive team. So if I were forced to play, I would play that. But I'm not forced to. Now, all that said, at the bottom or in about 20, 25 minutes, Fezzik has his best bet. He's taken off the rubber band in this very game. So he's going to disagree with me. We're going to have a break here in a moment. And when we come back after the update... Brad Powers is going to tell us about week one, Michigan-Notre Dame, Alabama's opener, and his week one best bet. But first, Ralph Irvin with the latest. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, and it was absolute domination tonight in Oakland. Zeroes on the clock. The Warriors win 115-86, to and the Western Conference Finals is all tied at three games apiece. That's 95-7 the game in the Warriors radio network with the call as Golden State out scored Houston 64 to 25 
in the second half en route to their 115-86 win. Game 7 of the series will be on Monday, and that will be in Houston. There will be a Game 7 on Sunday in the Eastern Conference. Boston hosting Cleveland. The Cavaliers will have to go without Kevin Love, who suffered a concussion Friday night in Game 6. That will tip off coming up at 8.30 Eastern time. On the Diamonds, Scooter Jeanette, 5 for 5 with a home run. Cincinnati, 1 in Colorado, 6-5. Mike Trout, also 5 for 5. He drove in four runs, scored three times. The Angels, 11-4 win over the Yankees. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And gentlemen, we are on the eve of the Best auto racing day of the year with the Monaco Grand Prix at 9 Eastern. Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, and Lewis Hamilton. They're your favorites, depending on where you might choose to get those odds. At 11, it's the Indy 500 with Alexander Rossi. He's far and away the favorite, looking for another Indy 500 win. Finally, at 6 Eastern, it'll be the Coca-Cola 600 on Fox. Everyone likes Kevin Harvick at 200 in that one. All right, Ralph. All over the racing. Good Ralph. Loves it. <laughs> I think we've created a monster. <laughs> RJ Bell is here at Steve Cofield. Our wise guy chairs filled by Fezzik, who's got a best bet coming up in 15 minutes. And every week, we've been looking at college football with Brad Powers. And it's significant now because lines are coming out. Like last week was a big week. Why? What came out? Uh, week one. And not, not only one casino, you can readily get... Any week one game, whether it be involving Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, or South Alabama, you can bet pretty much fine to any week one line. And as RJ's pointed out, Brad is college football year-round. So do you go gaga with those week one bets? I mean, obviously, you're trying to find value. How many games did you get down on? Uh, Week one, I got down six bets. Average move of those lines, about five points per game. So that's why I go gaga. It's the one time of year where you can really get ahead of significant line moves. So what does that mean, RJ, that he got... Six games down, and they moved five points on average. It means I should buy half those tickets. <laughs> right? After the, after the show. Okay. <laughs> Someone did their homework. And remember, the reason it's hard to be a full-time professional living in a mansion and having a yacht, betting those early games, is because the limits are what in week one? A dime? A dime. So you bet a 1000 Now, if you're... ROI return on investment is 10%. $1,000 bet means it's like you've earned 100. You might win, you might lose, but in the long run, you're going to earn maybe 15% on. I mean, that's a high number, but on these openers with Brad's expertise, I would say 15%. But 150 bucks times six, okay, 900, that's, a, that's nice, but you're not going to, a syndicate can't feast on that. So this is an advantage for the listener. Is if unless you're betting, you know, thousands and thousands a game, which is a tiny minority of the listeners, bet as early as you can because the only downside is the limits are relatively low. Brad, I, you'd rather bet ten thousand on these games. Oh, no question. But you're going to gobble up your hundred fifty dollars a game of expected yep. value. But for those that would never bet ten thousand, why not take advantage of the early numbers? And that's what we've been trying to do every week, every Saturday. More and more information to take advantage of early. I love hearing about the pros on this. Again, looking for predictions on what's going to happen with nationwide sports betting. Say in five years, we've got 30 states. What are you guys doing five years from now? Are you flying places? Because aren't the lines are going to be, aren't they going to be different unless there's some national oversight of this, right? 
Should there be value in different states on games? Are they going to release in week one? Like, what do you think will happen five years from now? So let's use an example that's very clear. Caesars stock went up significantly on the day of the Supreme Court decision. Now, I was surprised at that because Caesars here in town is pretty much renowned to not have ambitions on the sportsbook side. It's an amenity. It's like a, you know, you got the men's room, you got the ladies' room, <laughs> and you got the sportsbook. Uh, and again, there's good, you know, not saying there's not good people at work there. It's just they're just not ambitious. And I'm thinking, why would Caesars, and, and someone explained it to me very quickly, Caesars has as many, if not more, casinos throughout the country. So the theory is they're just going to have, tur- you know, boom, every place there's a state that goes legal, all the Caesar casinos will open up a Caesar's book. They're going to make the profits from that. And even if they're not competitive, at least initially, they're going to do just fine. Right. So in that case, there's two possibilities with Caesars. One is they're going to book into a national pool and say, okay, we're getting a bunch. Let's just say for the sake of argument, Florida has legal batting and Massachusetts has legal batting and Miami is playing the Patriots or so Dolphins Patriots. In theory, down in Miami, let's say the line is uh, Patriots nationally minus 10. In theory, in Massachusetts, it's going to be minus 10 and a half. In Miami, it's going to be nine and a half because it's going to favor the home team in both cases. Fez, what's your thoughts? I know we don't know for sure. Just quick answer. Do you think a Caesars in this example is going to deal the same line throughout the country? Or would Caesars say we're going to have different pools and let the individual states shade their line? I think they would have different pools. It would be more profitable for them to do that. There is a precedent for this. The MGM used to own the Prim Casinos on the state line of California. They dealt independent numbers, even though they were under the MGM umbrella. Now, Fezzik is always predicting what's best for him. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever noticed for that. I mean, he's figuring maybe someone's listening. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. But <laughs> I think I, I would make a major bet that won't be the case. We're moving to consolidation. And think about it. How many good bookmakers are there that aren't super dirty? Meaning that, hey, they've been offshore. There's some great offshore bookmakers. I mean, as good as anyone, better than anyone in the world. But they can't ever come onshore again. So amongst the talent pool in this country of bookmakers, uh, non-existent might be the right word. I mean, there's a hand. I mean, Vegas doesn't have enough good bookmakers. You're going to assume there's going to be what? A couple hundred throughout the country? If there's 30 states and five shops in each state, there's going to be 150 different separate guys making a line? Impossible. I'm going to be running a book. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I'll be camped out outside <laughs> that book. <laughs> Someone's going to lose their ass on the corporate level. I'll be around for six months. All right. Uh, let's talk about some You know, that reminds me of one of the great <laughs> poker lines. Phil Helmuth, who... Obviously a great tournament player, very famous, but not known as a great cash player, right? He could play cash, but not at the highest levels. So high-stakes poker they're playing, and Phil Helmuth goes, you know, I might go down to Blasio and go down and play in the big game and just bring my whole bankroll and play and see how good I really am. And I think it was Johnny Chan says, boy, I'd like to see the list for that game. (laughs) (laughs) All right, college football look at week one. Uh, Michigan-Notre Dame, what's happened so far? 
Uh, Michigan right now a one-point favorite over Notre Dame, and I agree with the move. Uh, one of the early bets I made was Michigan significantly uh, at plus six. Here's what I see. Ooh. So the game is where? Michigan favored by one point. And the game is where? Notre Dame. All right. And here's what I see from Michigan. Obviously, the story for the Wolverines this year, a significant upgrade at quarterback. Shea Patterson comes in, the transfer from Old Miss. How significant an upgrade? I would say bigger upgrade than any other quarterback position in college football. Combined, the Michigan quarterbacks last year threw a total of nine touchdowns. The U.S. for any Michigan team since 1975. I also see a major advantage as a line of scrimmage in favor of Michigan. Their defensive line won the top five in the country. Taking on Notre Dame offensive line, lost their offensive line coach, their best assistant coach, and not one but two top ten NFL draft picks. And inexperienced Notre Dame offensive line at a disadvantage. That's why I took advantage of that early number. Now think about this, guys. In a typical college football Saturday, how many lines move even three points? A small, small minority. You think, Fez, two a week? Two a week. Yeah, maybe, th- yeah, a handful. This line went from where, from what to what? Went from Michigan, a seven-point underdog, to a one-point favorite. <laughs> Eight points of move <laughs> yep. in like a day. In an hour and a half. So, guys, this is, and, and again, you're not here in Vegas, though, they, uh, or some of you aren't, they open up. Uh, obviously online has odds and all that. You bet where you bet. But wherever it is, if you bet, wherever it is, bet as early as you can because you're betting against the odds maker when you bet early. And Brad versus the odds maker, I got big money on Brad. Check out the big brain on Brad. But come Saturday of week one, when all the millionaires and the algorithms are involved, yeah, Brad might still be a small favorite, but it's a small favorite. Alabama, big home opener against Louisville. Well, I think the story is Nick Saban and his dominance in season openers. 9-1 and one against the spread. He's 11-0 straight up. Average line, they're used to laying a big one here, and Alabama is currently a 25.5-point favorite against Louisville. Game's going to be played in Orlando. Average score of those season openers, Alabama just crushes their opponents, 40-12. to 12. That'll be the story. But with that being said, I actually lean with Louisville here. I'm not going to be in a rush to bet Louisville because I think a lot of the public's going to be thinking about Alabama, the defending national champ, wanting to bet all that. Everyone remembers Alabama being dominant in all these uh, openers. Here's a quarterback that you got to write this name down, Jawan Pass for Louisville. Everyone's going to say, hey, significant downgrade at quarterback for Louisville. I think one of the players to watch, maybe a sneaky player that might be top 10 nationally at the end of the season, this quarterback for Louisville, Jawan Pass. Keep that name in your back pocket. I wonder how applicable this Alabama first week stat is because typically it's a marquee game. And thus they're putting a lot of that preseason time into their opponent. Such a big favorite in this game. Does Alabama potentially put some time in some later week opponents and that big prep advantage they typically have in week one, Bama, maybe isn't as applicable at such a big favor. And that's a great call. The only time Nick Saban hasn't covered a season opener was the only time where Alabama was laying more than three touchdowns in a neutral site game. That was a couple years ago against West Virginia. Very similar style Louisville team here. You want a best bet now or two best bets to close? Let's go now. Okay. Best bet. Week one. 
We're going Texas, minus nine against Maryland. Not a true road game, and I think that's where we're catching maybe a half point or a point of value. It's going to be played in Landover, uh, the home of the Redskins, but I expect 10,000, Texas fans in the crowd, so do not do not give full home field advantage for Maryland. I think it's a big revenge spot for Texas. Obviously, last year they lose a season opener, first game for Tom Herman. He's even admitted he himself was a little overconfident coming into that game. Hmm. Uh, his past experience... Won't be the case here. I think you get a max-motivated preseason workouts for Texas, thinking about a Maryland team here. And Maryland, traditionally, outside of that Texas game last year, when they play a ranked opponent, they get hammered. 1-12 the last three years. Average loss by more than 30 points per game. Give me the Longhorns, minus 9. Where did this line open at? This line actually came down. Uh, this line opened at 11, came down through 9. Ooh, I, like I disagree bat, with that. I, the better number. Yes. Best bet. From Brad Powers right there. Remember, on Twitter, you can follow Brad. Great content. If you like college football, at Brad Powers 7. P-O-W-E-R-S. That's at Brad Powers 7. When we come back, Steve Fezzik with his best bet of the week. On the way, straight into Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Back here on Straight Out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Best bet time. Best bet down the home stretch, as we like to call it. By the way, Fezzik, you know the famous song when he goes messed around and got a triple-double? Well, Fez in the WNBA, <laughs> this is an area he specializes in. 18-5 and five last year. 23 picks. He won 18 of them. And, well, he started off this year 3-1. and one. So you're a little behind pace, Fez. But I feel good. This guy, if you have any inclination, you know, some people love the perverse bets. You know, like I'm betting the WNBA, but I enjoy that. If I get a pick in, like, something I never bet before, I love to bet it because I know it's a pure information pick. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you can follow Fez on Twitter at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K, at Fezzik Sports. Now it's time for his best bet. Game seven going to be on the Boston Celtics. RJ brought up some points. You might want to wait on this one. The current line is minus two and a half. I think you're going to get a minus two tomorrow. The reason I like the Celtics is yes, LeBron's the best player in the world. But in this matchup, the Celtics have the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth best players out there. And because of that, with Kevin Love out, I have these two teams rated equally in my power ratings because of all of these Boston guys. Give them four for home court in Game 7. My number, my pure number from that is four. I'm worried LeBron's going to go into complete beast mode. Too much value, though, with uh, Boston being 10-0 straight up and against the spread at home. Their home court might be worth more than four. I'm going to go ahead and lay two or two and a half on Boston. Boy, that's interesting because his, his handicap doesn't particularly make sense until he, <laughs> dro- until he drops at the end. But maybe just by some reason I won't explain, it might be worth even more than four. Why would a home court that was slightly below average during the regular season be worth more than four? Well, they still were twenty-two and seventeen against the spread at home, so yeah. it wasn't really below but they, average. But they see, but they were even better by definition. Your home court is how good you are at home relative to on the road. They had a better against the spread record on the road. Be- how good could the home court be? 
in the playoffs with the hostile environment. No, I know. I already has, explained the that. The youth it's has just, been bad on the road. They'll be better on the Rogiers, the Tatums, the no, Browns. No one's debating that Boston isn't better. Here's why I don't like this pick. And again, when we disagree, I'm just hoping to be 50%. All right? So I'm going to admit that. Here's why I don't like this pick. I always tell people, and this is a great lesson, guys. Move the line two points one way, and does it make sense? Move the line two points the other, does it make sense? If neither makes sense, the line's probably pretty right. If you can make one of them make sense, now imagine this line going to four and a half. No one in their right mind would consider Boston. But if this line went to one or pick them, it wouldn't shock anybody. So it feels like like if you're laying two and a half, you've got to think this line should be four and a half. And I think that's a tough case to make. Ten seconds. I agree. It is a tough case at minus two and a half. I'm hoping to lay less than two and a half. More value if it goes so, down to one So you're half. betting it either way. You say wait, though. And if it gets down to two, extra value. Yes. One quick hit on integrity fees as we update what's going on across the country trying to get law for sports betting. I think the states are standing up strong. And the NFL is going to have to back down. States care about that money a ton. I feel good the states are doing that. We're back next week, Friday, 11 o'clock, straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.